back to the Valley Defeat Nutrition Podcast. We've got a new episode this week, but it's actually a replay of one that we aired one year ago. With Thanksgiving being only two weeks away, we thought this would be a great opportunity to re-release this episode. This episode, as you'll hear in the introduction, is based off of a contest that we used to run called Operation Net Zero. We don't do the contest anymore, but the principles within it are still so good and so applicable that we thought a re-release would be great this time of year. So if you've heard it before, there might be some good reminders in there. And if this is your first time, hopefully there's some great takeaways that you can apply. We hope that you enjoy it. If you have any questions, send those over to info at b2pnutrition.com. And we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. It's Lindsay and I this week. Uh, we're not really doing a listener question so much as uh, talking about a topic that we usually run as a program in the fall called Operation Net Zero. Historically, what we've always done is we ran this from kind of mid-October through the end of the year with um, kind of the intention of it being, as the name indicates, the goal of gaining no weight over the holidays. And some history to that would be people generally, at least the people that I've talked to, have always felt like weight gain, especially in, in adult years, happens kind of haphazardly over the course of the year. And the interesting thing is that most research would contradict that by saying what actually happens is people put on between three to seven pounds over the holidays, just never take it off. That compounds over time and adds up for most of adult onset weight gain. So the entire goal whenever we were running Operation Net Zero was just that, gain no weight over the holidays. Now, with that, one of the things that we did was really kind of, we kind of unrolled or outlined five different things that were aimed at helping people do exactly this. So the goal, it wasn't like we just laid out this goal of, okay, gain no weight around all this delicious food, ready, set, go. We built different strategies to talk through those things and um, with, with the goal of not gaining weight. We would usually then, you know, do a pre- pre-contest weigh-in, post-contest weigh-in, and really anyone who participated, regardless of whether or not they gained weight or not, was um, entered in to win a gift card. But it was just kind of a fun way to keep accountability. So we're not running a formal program, but did feel like it would be a good opportunity to talk about the five things that we talked about within that, hoping that maybe it will help you. And kind of our goal, or at least my goal is to always give you information you can actually use rather than just rambling on for 20 or 30 minutes about a topic. So without further ado, we are going to introduce those. For number one, you've got written down logic and realistic perspective. What do you mean by that? It's a good question. So when I have met with people over the years, usually their goal during the holidays is they want to either A, start some kind of a weight loss or performance training plan or B, they want to make extensive progress throughout the holiday season on that training plan. That, in my opinion, is not logical because there's so much opportunity and so many social events that you should not avoid but participate in. Now, like everything else we're going to talk about is how do you participate in those without without overdoing it too. But the logic and the 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 realistic perspective is aiming over this period of time not to lose weight not to gain weight but even walking out of it just with a simple maintenance throughout the course of those 60 days or so and we generally talk about this time from october 31st halloween 
through December 31st, New Year's Eve. And where most people fall prey to thinking is they think, okay, I've got three days, four days within that time period. I've got Christmas, I've got Thanksgiving, I've got Halloween, and I've got New Year's Eve. On those four days, I'm going to be very good. I'm going to make my mashed potatoes from cauliflower. I'm going to use non-dairy butter. I'm going to use salt substance. I'm going to do all of these things to try to make those two days good in reality. That is not the best approach. So really what we focus on is the other 54 days during that time period versus those four. So really it's talking about how can you control you know, the 28 days of Christmas and the 28 days of Christmas brownies in the office, the contest that they run or all of the office parties and the family parties and the white elephant gift exchanges and the extra kids candy and the leftovers that last six and a half weeks after Thanksgiving. How do you control your intake on those days? Because in reality, it's the sum of the parts that add up. On those four days, you shouldn't control anything. You should completely indulge. So the logic piece of this says, don't set yourself up by aiming for some gigantic weight loss over the holidays. Instead, a more realistic approach would be, I'm going to simply aim to not go up or down, or I'm going to aim to not go down in my performance. I'm going to maintain a good training regimen as well. So are you saying that if on these four days, Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and New Year's, if you just go for it, eat what you want, how much you want, I mean, where you're not puking hopefully but how much you want what you want not worrying about what's sugar-free or you know organic whatever that you won't gain weight just by for lack of a better word binging on a day here and there it's a good question so you will absolutely gain weight if you go full send on one day if you go nuts on thanksgiving and the day after thanksgiving you wake up and jump on the scale I can 100% promise you that your weight will go up. However, it's very, very, very important to remember weight gain does not mean fat gain. And everyone, when they worry about the scale going up, they don't really care about everything involved with the weight going up. They care because they think if the weight goes up, that means I am quote unquote getting fatter. Again, it's a word I hate, but that's what we tell ourselves. The things that can be tied to increased weight on the scale can be anything from fluid fluctuations, greater stores in your muscle from a higher carbohydrate intake, more sodium in Grandma Shirley's you know, casserole dish. There are so many factors that can play a role in the weight going up, and almost all of those variables lead to greater fluid retention. So yes, you jump on the scale, the scale goes up, you're, you tell yourself, I can't ever eat pumpkin pie again. It was the pumpkin pie. I mean, I gained four pounds overnight just from one slice of pumpkin pie. No, you didn't. You retained a lot of fluid. Now, this falls in line heavily with the whole Operation Net Zero thing because if you go back to your game plan, which we're going to talk about in a minute, for the holiday season and you give yourself five to seven days, that water will come off. It will. The fluid retention will subside and you'll see your weight come right back down to baseline just because of one day. Now, if you eat like that over 60 days, the scale will go up and part of that will be from extra fat gain because it is a higher calorie intake than what your baseline was the rest of the year. How long before, and it might depend on a lot of things, but how long before you could expect your weight to go back to quote unquote normal if you only 
ate outside of your parameters on those days. So if I, you know, go for on Thanksgiving and then the rest of the days back to my normal diet, back to my normal nutrition, how quickly will I be back to my normal self, I guess? Five to seven days, right? And so we'll typically see this comes up a lot in the fall when people are planning big trips, like if they're going to the mountains or whatever, they're doing a ton of hiking. They're generally eating more food, even if it's not a higher calorie intake than what they actually need to perform. They come back and they gain anywhere between three and seven to 10 pounds. And if, you know, my suggestion to them is always wait five to seven days after you get home from the trip and then weigh yourself and you'll get it. You'll be able to evaluate where you actually sit at because that will have given time for the fluid to subside. So you're looking at things like higher altitude, greater output, usually hotter conditions, flying, constipation, different food. There are so many of those things. Again, all of them tied to greater fluid retention, which would mask what your actual weight is. But most of us want to be very reactionary. We see the scale. We want to go into like a chicken breast and salad only diet for 12 days or worse, some kind of a cleanse, juice cleanse or something to try to get the weight back down. When in reality, just eating what your normal plan is would get you back down to what your normal baseline weight is. It's just fluid retention and it takes a couple of days to come off. So the first, uh, that's kind of the first strategy. You've got to have a realistic expectation. But the second one is you have to have a game plan for the 58 days or for the, for the 54 days, the days outside of the actual celebrations themselves. You've got to have a game plan. And this isn't just like, it could be, it could be a calorie goal, a certain protein goal, or a certain metric that you're trying to track. But more importantly, you've got to have some sort of a game plan that could literally be written in one sentence that outlines what's your goal going to be for the numerous office parties? What's your goal going to be for travel? And some examples of like creating that game plan would be, I'm going to buy five things that I know travel well, that make me feel full, that are higher, higher in protein because protein's harder to come by and generally promotes better fullness than a bunch of foods that don't have a honey protein in them. But you've got to have some sort of a game plan on what how you're going to handle those 60 days. Otherwise, it will fall apart, right? It's almost like, hey, we're going to create a budget so we can save some money. And then you just start writing stuff down net with with no goal in mind like the the budget is completely pointless without there being benchmarks around that budget if that makes sense one of the things that we will usually do is keep easy things around the house so we don't have to cook because we generally are out and about more or we're cooking more to go be a part of some sort of other celebration so picking up rotisserie chickens buying microwavable vegetables buying sweet potatoes and baked potatoes that you can pop in the microwave, buying microwavable bags of rice, buying things like a skillet dinner that you can literally put in a skillet, add water and stand there for 10 minutes until dinner's ready. Something that doesn't lead to you having to just grab what's quick and convenient because generally speaking, it's going to put you over your goal and there's not going to, it's not going to be able to follow your strategy as close. The second one in, it goes along with the plan because again, the plan is, the plan is somewhat arbitrary without some guidelines, right? So some way that you are going to be able to consistently monitor what's coming in, because again, the entire goal of this and having these goals is not to skip the social things that come with this time of year. Frankly, they're some of the funnest parts of life, right? All the social things, getting together over holidays, et cetera. 
So I'm not telling you to go to those things and avoid them, but you do have to have a game plan and some way to monitor what you're eating, right? Because what we always talk about is there's nothing good and bad. It's always the dose that makes the poison. So how are you going to measure that when you go in? Now you could do this, like when you're at home, obviously you'd be a little weird bringing like measuring cups and food scales to the office Christmas party. I'm not telling you to do that by any stretch of the imagination. But what you could do is do simple things like use your hand for consistent measurements, like a bald fist could be salads and casseroles and things like that and limit your portion size to that. Proteins could be like everyone always talks about the deck of cards or the palm of your hand. Really, it's not so much about the portion size being perfect. It's that you've got something to be consistent in and create awareness around. So it's not like it's got to be 3.2695 ounces or else you're going to be in trouble. It's that you've got something that you're consistently and routinely following so that you can have consistent intake over the time. Because again, it's always the dose that makes the poison. So even with the best intention, without some kind of metric for measurement, it'll be a struggle to hit whatever that goal is for the season. I think that's this one, I guess, this tip of nothing's good or bad. It's just really thinking about how much of it you're eating. I find that it's pretty difficult to make conscious choices or count the calories of something when there's a really good chance you're not the one that made it, right? Like someone's bringing brownies and someone else might say, oh, well, these scones are healthy because I use this special sugar or I use this or gluten-free or whatever. Um, it's It's difficult to really know what all is in what you're eating, I guess. That sounds kind of creepy that you don't know what you're eating, but I think you know what I mean. So um, I find it easier if I do follow a plan for it to be more of a rule of I'm going to have one handful of this, or I will choose one treat off the staff table in the lounge, or I'm going to only eat a treat if it's something that was offered as opposed to something. I'm not going to sit home and make them for everybody for things or for um, Christmas. That having a rule sometimes as opposed to a measurement for me is helpful. There's still a measurement in there, but it might might help a little. But that's a good that's a good point because though you are not, and I don't think I've ever physically seen you measure anything, you do have rules in place. And in reality, that's all that this is, is it's it's something that you can use as a standard rule, for lack of a better word, some sort of a standard measurement to keep things consistent, just to make sure that you're still enjoying stuff, but you're not doing it so much that you're overdoing it. You could do it that way. So yes, one handful of this i'm only going to have one treat rather than having five i'm right it can be it can be it, it could be as formal or as general as you want and as far as the like the tracking and being unaware of what's in it a common question people will have is like well if i go to a party like how do i track grandma sue's special vienna sausage casserole you know most people will say do i ask the person for the recipe and then plug that in my fitness pal no <laughs> you don't have to do that what i would do is i would look up a general recipe for the most comparable item in my fitness pal that's close to what you ate guess the portion enter it and move on with your life it's not so much about was that 376.95 calories or was it 380 calories it's not so much about the specifics it's more about the fact that you've just got you're creating an awareness and you've got some guardrail set up to where you've got stopping and starting points but you're still able to enjoy stuff so I think that that's important to remember. Now, outside of this, if you do have really specific goals, 
that more general and less specific approach could prevent you from reaching what your specific goals are. You do have to be a little more detailed when the goals are specific, but when they're not specific, you can get by with more. And in those times, yes, just looking up whatever comes closest to what you're eating, estimating the portion size, plugging it in and moving on with your life in a very stress-free way is the best way to handle it. I think you mentioned this earlier, maybe on the first tip about, you know, ind indulge in these things. So much of this is social or your family and it's something that's very traditional that you get to do every year with certain recipes or whatever. What I've noticed quite a few people I know doing is they will bring something that they are comfortable with, whether I know exactly how many calories are in this, or I know how much of this I can eat and still fall within my, you know, my range. Um, they do that, which people that have allergies, people that have, you know, other issues where they truly cannot eat a certain food, they do this often and they're able to still enjoy the time with everybody else. So not ideal and it might not be a recipe that you love or you might have to do more prep, but I think if you want to still enjoy the fun of it and you need to really know what you're eating, bring it yourself, I guess. No, that's a good, I mean, that's a good suggestion too, but yeah, I also wouldn't be afraid just to eat what's there guesstimate where you're what, what you're com what's coming in and just move on again it's got to line up with whatever your plan is but um having that would be an important part of it so that goes that goes to the third piece the entire piece the entire reason for having a game plan and for measuring things is you've got to keep a checks and balances against it right like you, you meaning you have to track it you have to have some kind of way that you are tracking it this goes back to the budget um example we said a little bit ago the entire purpose of a budget is there's a capstone that you're trying not to go over there's a ceiling that you're trying not to outspend if you just spend money and you punch it in your checkbook and you kind of stay at the end of the month yeah we'll see where we land you're probably not going to be in the in the black or in the positive at the end of that month, the entire reason of having a budget is, okay, we've got this much money set aside for this. We've got this much money set aside for that. And then at the end of the month, if you follow the guidelines that you've set up, you end, you know, the, the, the month ends accordingly financially. For some reason, a lot of people want to act like nutrition, tracking nutrition is just this atrocity, but balance, no one on the face of the planet would say having a budget is a bad thing. The idea behind tracking your nutrition is not to create a bunch of rules and regulations and be restrictive. It's to put parameters up just like a budget so that you don't outdo yourself and end up in a spot that you don't want to be in. So you've got to have some way to track. Could that be my fitness pal? Yes, that's more on the specific side of things. That could also be simply monitoring how many how many you know sweet things did i have today or i want to eat more fruits and veggies i want to eat x number of protein you can monitor anything that you want you can track anything that you want but the idea behind having a plan and the idea behind having some sort of a formal measurement is that you're going to be able to track it and you're going to be able to measure that against your plan and if those line up you will not wind up at the end of the year beyond the weight goal that you set for yourself or the performance goal that you set for yourself because you've followed that plan. That's the whole reason of having a plan. So the, the, uh, the, like the, the sentence that I love that goes with this is what gets measured and what gets tracked gets managed. And the entire reason again is not to promote a bunch of restrictiveness. 
It's to have something in place that's got guardrails that doesn't put you on because there's nothing there's nothing worse than setting out at the be- at the end of at this time of year thinking, okay, you know, I'm going to I'm going to end up where I want to be by the end of December, getting there and feeling like, my gosh, I can't believe this happened again. I've got to go quote unquote, get in shape. I've got to go. And it's just easier to end the year where you want to be. And then to start the new year off, being able to jump right into whatever your goals are versus having to backtrack. I've just met so many people who are very regretful, not necessarily regretful, but they're, they just wish that they didn't have all this ground to make up. If that makes sense. I don't know what number one, are we on four or five? Well, we're on the last one. And the last one is the consistency piece. And I would say the consistency thing is maybe one of the most challenging pieces for people to get in with routine, meaning they could be really, really good at tracking sometimes, they could be really, really good at having some kind of measurement sometimes, they could be really, really good at following their plan sometimes. The unfortunate part of this, and I always always tell people, I really wish that our results were based off of intention and desire because if that were the case, every person I've ever met with would meet them. They only are measured off of what we do. And the consistency piece, even imperfect action is always going to beat no action. So creating a realistic plan and being consistent with that will absolutely be the game changer. Unfortunately, you can't just do the right thing sometimes and get progress. You have to, it would be better for you to sometimes do the right thing, but do it consistently. Maybe you don't meet your plan 100%, but you meet at 85. If you can do that routinely, you would be better off than very rarely hitting your plan 100%. That's, that is, it's a tough conversation to have, but the, the consistency piece is important. Whether or not we're talking about holidays, I think this is a good point. I know a lot of, you know, through Valley to Peak and through that program, one of the big things you do is have people track often on my fitness pal it's a great way for you and them to be on the same page it needs to happen it's not a long-term goal to stay on this we've you know we've chatted about that before on this podcast and we we have talked about other ways people can have a have a plan in place and remain consistent so other than tracking calories which i know you promote at least until it becomes natural to do. Here's what I'm going to eat today. Are there other ways that people can be consistent in planning or, or tracking? Yeah, I think, I mean, so number one, anything when you first start, it's going to be inconvenient. It's like, it's, it's going to, there's going to be a learning curve. So I think just knowing that up front, it's not, it's going to seem a bit cumbersome right out of the gate. But even for folks that we've worked with who are very low on the technology side of things in terms of understanding, almost always say, usually at about week four to week six, it's getting a lot easier. But there is this barrier. So, you know, just knowing that that's that's fairly normal. The other thing that I would say is figuring out a way to automate as much as you possibly can. Make your grocery shopping day the same day at the same time. Make your prep day the same day at the same time. Whether that's whether prep is literally going to the grocery or you're spending 20 minutes doing something. By the way, we don't ever spend significant number of hours prepping for the week. Generally, what we do is we make staples and we make a lot of it and then we eat on that in a variety of ways for the rest of the week. But we're, you know, don't let the 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 concept or the 
the phrasing of meal prep cause you to envision yourself in your kitchen on a Sunday for nine hours with a bunch of to-go boxes frozen all week. That's just not realistic. And in, in my opinion, if there's like, if there's dietitians and nutrition coaches suggesting that good luck to you, you probably don't have any kids. You probably don't have a full-time job and maybe no friends. I don't know, but that's just, that's just not conceivable whenever you have a family and a career. So figuring out those things. And in my opinion, going back to what I started with, the best way to do that is to automate it and do it as much as humanly possible the same time of the week the same time of day etc we pick up our groceries every thursday between six and seven right and so part of the biggest things with prep is just having the stuff in the house and we've got i'll link in the show notes i did a video on exactly how i will decide on what a grocery list look like how do i develop a plan and it's much easier than just walking in, trying to find stuff in the grocery. It'll give you a grocery list. We order everything online. We set it at six o'clock on Thursdays. We go and we pick it up. And it's basically like any other part of our week. So automating things as much as humanly possible, I think is important. And also creating a realistic picture. We have um, we have an awesome person in the Valley to Peak program who really struggles to make time for themselves to get a workout in and to meal prep. And when we sat down and we calculated how many minutes do those things take out of your day, we realized it was 1.87% of her life that we were asking her to make time for. That means that she still had over 98% of her life to give to other things. And when you see that in practical terms, whenever it comes time to go sit down and make the grocery list, it's not this giant inconvenience that you think is going to take a ton of time. You understand, geez, this is only 1.87% of my life. I can make time for that. So understanding realistically how long it takes, I'll give you some resources that you guys can look up in the show notes um, and then automating it, doing as much as humanly possible at the same time on the same days will simplify it in my opinion in a big way. And I think third, third or whatever number we're on, one thing that I've done, and this is something Mark and I have talked extensively about is create, created a time budget calendar where I literally assign a task to every hour of the day. Sometimes that's leisurely reading. Sometimes that's devotional. Sometimes that's hanging out with Grant. Sometimes that's eating lunch. Sometimes that's work. Sometimes that's recording a podcast. But if I block that time, and I hold myself accountable to what I have it blocked for, it gets done. And in those times does include things like cooking dinner, going to the grocery. Now, that can seem really OCD and very unspontaneous. But what it allows me to do is it allows me to get everything done that I need to get done without having to worry about, oh, yeah, what else do I need to do? Right? Because all of that anxiety thinking I've got all of these things to do, but not being able to remember them is as exhausting as simply following a plan that I've set up in my calendar. So that is, I think it's like four or five, however many tips that we cover with Operation Net Zero. I'll list them out in the show notes and you guys can check those out. I will list a link to the video that talks about how to simplify meal prep. But keep in mind during the season, the big takeaway, if you can remember nothing else with this, is the premise is not trying to be good on the celebratory days themselves. Christmas, Halloween, Thanksgiving, uh, New Year's Eve. The, the key is indulging in those to your heart's content. But the other days of the year, the other 56 days wedged in between October 31st and December 31st, have some kind of a game plan, 
some way to track, some way to keep your portions rather mindful, and then being incredibly consistent. The other thing that we say a lot around here is memories are more important than macros. So do not sacrifice time with your friends and family for the sake of trying to be on some macro plan. Instead, game plan for the other days of the week, and you'll have no problem walking out roughly in the same spot that you were going into it. And it'll set you up for great progress right at the beginning of the year, which at the beginning of the year, we're going to roll out a series called No Off Season. Uh, I haven't talked to Mark about this, so I hope he's agreeable, but it's the, the premise behind it is not like the current machismo mantra of like, oh, there's no off seasons. I just train every day. That's not the goal. The goal is how do I set up a training plan that's going to set me up for the fall? How do I set up a nutrition plan? What are some things that I can be doing now so that when fall comes around, I'm not trying to quote unquote, get ready. I'm already ready. Um, so we'll talk about those as they come up. If you have any questions, you can always email us at info at v2pnutrition.com. If you enjoyed this podcast or another episode, please like it or send it to a friend. Uh, Leave us a comment. Anything like that is tremendously helpful to us, and we are very grateful for it. Until we talk to you guys next time, have a great week.